Welcome to Fiscal One-on-One. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a fiscal topic of interest within an Iowa State agency. The following interview was conducted on November 20, 2012. David Reynolds, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency, interviewed Sean Snyder, Division Administrator with the Fiscal Services Division regarding Iowa school aid funding formula. Hello, my name is Dave Reynolds and today I'm talking to Sean Snyder about the school aid formula. The general fund appropriation for state school aid is the single largest line item appropriation in the state budget, accounting for approximately 42% of all general fund appropriations in fiscal year 2013. The school aid formula also generates funding for school districts through a mix of state aid, and property tax per pupil basis. Sean is a senior analyst with the Legislative Services Agency and is here to provide some background and information regarding Iowa's school aid funding formula. Sean has modeled the state school aid formula for the legislature and the executive branch since the year 2000. Welcome Sean and thanks for being here. To begin, why don't you give us some background information on Iowa's school aid formula. Prior to 1970, funding was generated at the local level with total local discretion. The basis of most of the revenue was local property tax or local income surtax to provide education funding. The basis of the current formula was put in place back in 1971 with legislative action in the late 1960s. The new law provided a foundation level that included a state funding portion to local school districts along with property tax. The formula was further modified back in the 1989 legislative session with the establishment of Chapter 257. The changes were implemented in fiscal year 1992. The foundation level was increased substantially in providing additional state funding and providing property tax relief to everybody in the state. Disparities in the cost per pupil amounts were narrowed to provide an equalization in educational opportunity and the overall uh, per pupil amount. Originally, the allowable growth rate was set automatically based on an inflation factor. However, in the mid-1990s, that was modified and the General Assembly was required to establish a rate. A variety of changes have occurred since then, but the basis of the formula is still in place. So can you tell us exactly what is the allowable growth rate? Basically, that provides an allowable increase in the state and district cost per pupil amounts. There's a lot of misconception about if there's a 4% allowable growth rate, that will increase each school district's budget by 4%, but that's not the case. And a 4% allowable growth rate does not increase the overall funding percentages for school districts by 4%. It just increases the cost per pupil amount. Beginning with fiscal year 2011, there are now two allowable growth rates that are required to be established. One is for the regular school aid which accounts for the largest portion of the funding, and the other is for the state categorical supplements, which include teacher salary, professional development, and early intervention. There are 10 cost per pupil amounts that are impacted when the allowable growth rate is established. Five of those impact school district funding and include the per pupil amounts for the regular program, the special education program, the teacher salary supplement, the professional development supplement, and the early intervention supplement, and five of these are also impacting area education agency funding per pupil amounts, and that includes the special education support piece, media services, education support, the teacher salary supplement, and the professional development supplement for area education agencies. 
Now the legislature is required to establish the allowable growth rate within 30 days of the governor's budget submission. The rate is established 18 months in advance. So for example, this upcoming legislative session, the 2013 General Assembly should be establishing the allowable growth rate for the fiscal year 2015 school year. And basically that rate will be established by early February in this upcoming legislative session. I should also note that the General Assembly if they do not enact an allowable growth rate, the growth rate would default to 0%. There would be no increase in the state or district cost per pupil amounts. This has only happened one time in the history of the school finance formula. And that happened just a couple years ago. The no allowable growth rate was established for fiscal year 2012 and the allowable growth rates defaulted to 0%. This past legislative session, the General Assembly was required to establish an allowable growth rate for fiscal year 2014. However, no consensus was agreed upon and there was no allowable growth rate approved. However, the General Assembly could come in this next legislative session and establish an allowable growth rate for fiscal year 2014. I realize this is a rather complicated process, but can you give us an idea of how the school aid formula works? Yes. Enactment of the allowable growth rate is only one part of the funding formula and is a policy decision that impacts the basic formula mechanism. Other major components include enrollments, which are taken in the fall of the preceding fiscal year. For example, October 2012 enrollments will be used to determine the fiscal year 2014 school aid amounts. Also, weighted enrollments are used and taxable valuations are also playing a huge part in the determination of how school aid is going to be distributed to school districts. By April 15th, each school district certifies their budget to the Department of Management. Based on that information, the Department of Management uses all the data provided, the enrollments, the assessed valuation, and basically runs it through the school aid formula. The formula result will determine what state aid is, what local property taxes are, and the total overall funding, including the amount that goes to area education agencies for the upcoming school year, which is also the upcoming fiscal year. In general, state aid appropriations for school aid isn't directly determined by the General Assembly. In other words, the General Assembly does not appropriate a specific amount for state school aid. It is based on all that information, the enrollments, evaluations, and the policy decision of the allowable growth rate. I noticed that you had said in general fund when noting that the General Assembly does not directly appropriate state funding for school aid. What do you mean by that? Can you clarify that? There have been occasions in the past where the General Assembly has appropriated a specific dollar amount in state school aid. When that happens, the formula still runs and it still generates what the state school aid amount should be and what the property tax amount should be. So the result of this is when the legislature actually appropriates a stated amount of school aid, there is going to be an underfunding of state aid to school districts. Now this last occurred in fiscal year 2011. Uh, the state aid appropriation was capped at a specific amount and the result of that ended up in an underfunding of state school aid by $156 million. Now despite the underfunding in state aid, school districts still maintain spending authority on that amount, not funded. Uh, what do you mean by spending authority? Can you clarify that? The amount of funding generated through the school aid formula provides school districts a basis for the authorized budget amount. Districts cannot exceed their authorized spending authority and that's also referred to as budget authority. 
So when the state aid portion is not fully funded, the school districts still maintain a spending authority amount. In the case of the state aid reduction, when there's an underfunding of state aid or if there's an across-the-board reduction of general fund dollars that impacts the school aid formula, school districts still have the authority on the overall total and can replace those funds either by using cash on hand or they can borrow those funds to replace the reduction in the state portion. They then can repay those loans that they borrowed to replace those funds or they can replenish their cash reserves by using a cash reserve levy. In general, state aid reductions will lead to cash reserve levy increases in the following fiscal years. Additionally, school districts can request modified allowable growth for special situations. These requests go before the School Budget Review Committee and if approved, the committee can provide school districts additional spending authority that can be used to garner funds for those specified purposes. If a school district does not use its entire budget authority in a school year, any remaining unspent spending authority carries forward into future school years. An important point to note is that while school districts have spending authority, area education agencies do not. So when the area education agencies receive a state aid reduction, those agencies receive an actual funding cut with no authority to replenish those funds. You mentioned School Budget Review Committee. What's their role in the K-12 funding process? So the School Budget Review Committee is a six-member committee comprised of four appointed members knowledgeable in school finance. There's five voting members, including those four appointed members, and then also the Department of Management Director is a voting member, and the non-voting member is the Department of Education Director. The committee provides budgeting and tax oversight to the entire school aid process. Schools with unique or unusual circumstances can apply for assistance, which I talked about before. This comes in the form of modified allowable growth, which can increase the school district spending authority if they are granted that. The School Budget Review Committee has general authority to review school district budgets, request district personnel to appear before the committee, and also can request school districts provide certain information that they would like to review. Additionally, the School Budget Review Committee will review special education revenues, expenditures, and reallocate positive balances as required. They'll review the level of special education weighting to make recommendations if those levels should be changed. And then they will also review school district cash reserve levy amounts. And as I understand, there are several different revenue sources that make up the school aid formula. Can you uh, discuss that a little bit on what those different revenue sources would be? Yes, I noted earlier that school aid consists of both a state aid portion and a property tax portion. Really, state aid accounts for the largest portion. When you look at the school aid formula, state aid accounts for two-thirds of the total, and the local property tax piece accounts for the remaining one-third of, of total school aid funding. The property tax portion really consists of two components. There is a uniform levy and an additional levy. Now, all property taxpayers pay the same rate for the uniform levy, and that's the rate of $5.40 per $1,000 of taxable valuation. Every property taxpayer in the state pays that when they're paying their property tax. Now, the uniform levy is the first portion of the foundation level funding mechanism. On a per pupil basis, the uniform levy and state aid account for the first 87.5% of the per pupil funding amount. Now the additional levy is also referred to the second effort. It consists of basically the remaining 12.5% of the foundation level per pupil funding amount. There are other components to the additional levy as well, and that includes funding for some discretionary programs. 
Main programs that are included in the additional levy would include the dropout prevention program, and that generates roughly about $100 million annually. The budget guarantee provision, which provides some additional funding for school districts with declining enrollments. And then there's another piece that's the difference between the, the district cost per pupil and the state cost per pupil. There's about half the districts that have a cost per pupil a little bit higher than the state cost per pupil, and that's all funded through this additional levy piece. Because of the foundation level, for the most part, there is an equalization of effort and property tax levies between school districts. However, the efforts between school districts to levy the remaining 12.5% does differ, and pretty significantly. The tax rate for that additional 12.5% additional levy piece ranges from a maximum amount of $5.72 to $0.76. Cents. However, there is a mechanism that provides additional property tax relief within the school aid formula. It includes a $24 million general fund appropriation, and then there's some additional funds that flow into that, and that's the excess from the sales and use tax for school infrastructure. That amount totaled $7.4 million in fiscal year 2013. So basically, in fiscal year 2013, there were 84 school districts that received this property tax adjustment aid. If they had a adjusted additional levy tax rate of greater than $3.47, they received a portion of that $31 million to provide property tax relief. I'm increasing the foundation level to 100% is something that's been talked about in recent legislative sessions, and that would eliminate that 12.5% additional levy piece in the per pupil funding amount. The cost of that would increase state aid by $400 million. However, it would provide property tax relief to every property taxpayer within the state. Another important piece is that uh, the only portion of the school district property taxes, there are many discretionary programs outside the school aid formula that have property taxes as a revenue source. And in fiscal year 2013, when you're looking at the overall total property tax rates for school districts, the school district with the lowest rate in the state was $8.33, and the school district with the highest rate in the state had a school district tax rate of $23.06. You can see there's a pretty significant difference in the property tax rates between the school districts. Throughout the discussion, you had mentioned per pupil funding, and funding is generated on a per pupil basis. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, in general, each full-time resident student is counted as 1.0 for funding purposes. And basically what happens is the district's enrollment is then multiplied by the district's cost per pupil to generate the district's regular program cost. And that's the largest portion of the school district funding statewide. Uh, the regular program cost piece is roughly 73% of the overall school district funding amount. Additionally, students may be eligible to receive waiting to cover the cost of additional expense in instructing students, and examples of that would be special education or English language learner, where the expense to provide education to those students is going to be higher than a regular student. Or waiting can be used to provide incentives for school districts to develop or look for efficiencies, and examples of that are operational sharing or reorganization waitings. Special education weightings generated $390 million in additional funding in fiscal year 2013, and other supplementary weighting totaled roughly $66 million in fiscal year 2013. So the school aid formula is a rather complicated formula, and what kind of services and what kind of information uh, do you provide as an analyst with the Legislative Services Agency? Well, the Legislative Services Agency models the school aid formula and works very closely with the Department of Management and the Department of Education in the development and maintenance of the model. 
each fall these three entities sit down and meet, go over the assumptions that are going to be used in estimating school aid, and they really have a good working relationship in developing the model and maintaining the model and working with estimating how much the state aid and property tax amounts are going to be. I provide fiscal estimates of school aid legislation and can provide that information on a school district level. Additionally, a legislative services agency maintains a historic database of school finance information. It has school finance area on the Legislative Services website where much of that information can be found. Additionally, if there's special requests that you're interested in for school district financial information or if you're interested in to see how much a piece of legislation might cost impacting school aid, the Legislative Services Agency can provide that information based on the special request. Okay, Sean, I would like to thank you for your time and sharing your expertise on the school aid formula today. Thank you.